We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Well, what is up, Crossroads? How are you doing? My name is Pastor Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. Thanks for joining us here today. And I just want to welcome you wherever you might be at, whether you're in a a chair or you're on a couch or whether you're uh, driving to work, wherever you might. I just am so grateful for you to join us here today. And our mission here at Crossroads is this. We want to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. That's why we're here. And so if there's anything we can do to help you take your next step on your faith journey, that's why those chat hosts are there. That's why we're here. That's why we exist is to help you know who Jesus is and follow him fully. Uh, So guys, listen, this whole COVID thing continues to just be crazy and just kind of goofy. And and, and we we continue to follow it. We continue to follow the the directions and the orders that we've been given. And, and, And at the same time, we just know that there's a lot of people on the other side of these lenses that, that are in a lot, of, a lot of hurting spots right now. And we, we just want you to know that we hear you, we love you, we are here for you, and that we will continue to minister to you. And I'm so grateful for this, for our online campus to be able to minister to people around the country, around the world, so that you know that you are not alone. Especially on this weekend that we celebrate mothers on Mother's Day weekend. I am just so grateful for all of our moms out there. Especially my mom in Rapid City. Thank you, Peggy. I love you. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And so this Mother's Day weekend we come in. And it's like one of those returns to something that we, we, we long for. And, and so grateful that we are able to have a, a, some time to be able to do that. So we celebrate moms all over the place. And, and really, there's everything that we used to be normal kind of has stopped a while ago, didn't it? Like all the things that we used to do, uh, we're in this season now of waiting and we're wondering what's going to happen next. And, and some of you might be waiting for to go back to work. Um, some of you might be a high school senior, just like Emma that we just saw and, and wondering about graduations and proms and what college is going to look like next year. And, and all of us are wondering what this world is going to look like on the other side of this whole thing. But, but through it all, I hear this question a lot, and you probably do too. When are things going to get back to normal? Have you heard that before? And, and there are things that we just kind of totally get that we want to go back to normal. But like for me, like I cannot wait to get back to the gym and start throwing some weight around again. I can't wait to do that. Um, I, I can't wait to go to the grocery store or to a restaurant without looking like a, a character from Mortal Kombat. You know, like, like I also, I can't wait for, for my kids to go back to school. I said I can't wait for my kids to go back to school. Can I get an amen in the comments section right now? Amen from anybody about your kids going back to school. All teachers should get a raise. That's what I'm just saying right now. But, but I kid, but, but you know what I mean. There are things that we wish that could just be normal again. And it took a pandemic to realize what we didn't have or what, 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 what should have, we, we really loved. But, but I begin to wonder if what, was, what, what normal used to be was actually right. I, I begin to wonder if I really want what normal used to be. D- do I want the normal of only eating with my family twice a week? Do I, only, do I want the normal of, of being gone from my house from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. at night? D- do I want to go back to the normal of only sleeping four hours a night just because that's the only way I can get it all done? See, see, I just think that we've realized some, some normal things that we were doing were really abnormal. 
And, and here's what I actually hope that we don't do. And, and I mean this for me just as much as I mean this for anybody else. I hope that we don't go back to abnormal, right? I, I hope that we don't come back into this society like a caged animal waiting to jump back into this ring of crazy. Like, I hope that we aren't like, like this dog. Have you, have you seen this dog before, right? Like the second the car door opens, he is jumping out like she can't even open it fast enough. Her leg was probably jacked up because of the dog, right? But I see us as that, that we are waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, pew, right back in to all the crazy again. So I don't want us to be that. See, what I hope comes out of this whole thing is that we get a little bit more balance because I think there can be a ton of great and healthy rhythms that come out of this time that we are sheltering in place and when the world stops, which, which is why this series is really so fitting. Now, you might be wondering how in the world this series that we're calling B could possibly be, could constitute four, week, four weeks. How does two letters possibly mean you could do an entire a sermon series on that. But let, let me assure you that we could probably spend an entire year on these two letters, on this one word, and not exhaust all that God wants to teach us through it. Because in this series, we're going to look at what God is calling us to be. We finished a series just last week called Asking for a Friend, and we answered all of these great questions that people that don't believe in God typically ask. Things like, how do we believe in something that, that we can't see? You know, how does God exist? Or why is there so much evil in the world and pain and suffering? Or why are Christians so judgy and hypocritical? We, we answered all of those. So there's a natural question that comes out of that series, though. That after we've handled all of those different questions and kind of come to this realization that God is real and everything, we ask ourselves the question, well, now what? What are we supposed to do after we've seen that God exists and that he is with us through everything that we go through and that despite what other Christians might do and that they might be a little jacked up, that he is still good and he's still our savior. <clears throat> and that's the natural reaction for us to say. It's like, okay, what do I do next? What do I do because that's what we normally like to do, is we like to do. But what I want us to realize in this series is that God is calling us to be before we do as Christians. And, and as we do that, we will find ourselves continually taking steps toward Jesus, actually, as we learn to be. As we learn to be with God, it will naturally tip us towards the next stage of closeness with God himself. But our tendency, is, as Christians at least, is to, and really as humans in general, is that we want to try and do more in order to feel like we're making progress in this life. But what we'll find that in order to grow into what God has for us, we have to actually learn to just be. To, to, find, uh, to find not only our identity in God, but also our security in him. And as we loosen the grip of doing on our life, we can start to understand what, what being with God is all about. However, learning to be is not about a life. Check this out. Being, learning to be with God is not learning to lay on a beach and sip lemonade and, and, and getting massages and waiting for Jesus to come back. That is not what be is all about. Actually, what we find is that when we be what God wants us to be, we see that there's a life of action that's waiting for us. And it is powered by his will on our life and his strength in our life. So it's, it's his power on our life and his strength 
in our life. And, and what, what, are, what, what better way to kick off our series than on like Mother's Day weekend? You know, like what a better way to kick off a series about being than with Mother's Day. And, and you'll find actually the, the, the initial message in this kind of ironically funny because in order to follow Jesus, the first thing that we need to learn to do is we need to learn to be still. That, that, that's right. I'm going to challenge us all to learn to be still. This is why they have me sitting in a chair. They want to see if I can be still. But, but is there a bigger oxymoron than, than a mother who sits still? Like, I mean, really, I mean, that's about as, as uncommon as a cat without attitude. You know, it, it's as rare as an eight-year-old boy that closes the screen door behind him when he comes inside. Guys, it's about as likely as a man who naturally puts the seat down without any training at all, right? And, and I know for Cherie, she'd love to be able to sit still. But when you have two kids that are constantly on the go and a husband like me, being still just ain't an option. But I remember this, this story about, um, about Cherie when, when after the kids had been born, um, and it was, it was just so funny because after the kids had been born, she used to have these dreams all the time. And, and the dreams were, 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 were ironically the same. She would dream that we were kind of hanging out on the bed and, and, and Aniston or Easton were with us. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the kids, Aniston or Easton, would get close to the edge. And when they were babies and, and they're about ready to fall off. But me being a goon, I didn't do anything. And so Cherie felt like she needed to dive and to catch the child. Now, here's the problem. It's the only time, it's the closest thing to sleepwalking she's ever done. When she imagined that Aniston or Easton were falling off the bed, she literally and physically dove across the bed and tried to catch the child, only midair to wake up and to realize that she is hovering over the top of me, ready to body slam me in the middle of the night. And she used to do that all the time and she would slam down. I'd be so scared, freaked out. And, and she would say, I, I just dreamt that the kids were falling. And I would look at her and say, whether well, or not, go back to bed and be still. Right? This is what would happen. Like, that's just not what happens with mothers. Even when you're sleeping, you are not still. But we see time and time again where being still is one of the deepest desires of God when it comes to us knowing him. One of the most famous scriptures in all, all, all the Bible, Psalm 46.10 says, God says, be still and know and know that I am God. But before you turn, tune out and say, I am not going to be still. I don't have time for this to tune out. What, what, I'm, what I think God is asking for us to do is that he is saying, be still. And, and this, is, this is not to be like sitting crisscross applesauce on a lotus leaf, drinking green tea and humming a single note in the key of G. That's not what he's talking about when being still. No, I think being still is learning to still the chaos in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls as we find peace in him. Because what I often hear people say, and maybe you hear this too, is that people will say that they just want to know God more. I just want to know God more but they don't want to be still long enough to hear from him. Have you ever heard that before? I mean, we do it in other areas of our life too. We say, you know, I want to lose weight. I just don't want to stop eating what I want to eat. Or I want a better marriage, but I really don't want to go to counseling at all. I want a better job, but I don't really want to work harder or go to school or put any extra effort in to do it. Because here's the thing. We all want the benefit without any of the effort. That's what we want. And here's the deal. If we're honest with ourselves today, I think the reason we don't want to be still 
is that we are scared to death of what God might tell us in the stillness. That's the truth. I mean, God might tell you to spend more time at home, to break up with that girlfriend, not to get married so quickly, to to quit your job and do something new, to challenge you on that pride issue that you have, to, to, to actually go to the AA meetings, Not to buy that car that you can't afford. To to listen, to stop being a Dodger fan. Okay, God is wanting to tell you some very important things. And so what do we do instead of being still? Is that we keep doing stuff. I mean lots of stuff we will do. In the hopes that we can make ourselves so busy that we could distract ourselves. Or we could delay the conversation with God long enough. Hoping that he might just forget about it. So what tragically happens when we do that is that most of the sin that we find in our life is actually a product of overactivity of doing instead of being with God. Instead of pausing to ask God, is this the right thing to do? We will charge ahead with our ears plugged, choosing our our business over God's stillness. But if we were ever able to slow ourselves down enough to be still with God, we might find out that what we think God is asking us to do may not be what he is actually asking us to do. See, he's not asking us not to move, but to simply move in his direction, which is what I want you to take away from today's message more than anything, is that being still is not without movement, but it is moving in God's direction. God's not saying don't move. He's saying just move towards me. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is actually found in the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles with you today or your your, uh, Crossroads Grace apps and want to open there or your chat host can put a link to an app for the Bible in your uh, your chat right now. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 14. And and if you're not familiar with the Bible or you're just kind of checking out this whole God thing, man, I'm so glad that you're here right now. You are always welcome here. And I want you to know that we love having you with us. So keep coming. We're glad that you're here. But let me just pull all of us up to speed on where we're at right now in the story in Exodus 14. And in this section of the history, the people of God, they had been in captivity as slaves. They're called the Israelites. They had been as slaves to the Egyptians for well over 400 years. Yeah, and, and, and you thought that being quarantined with your family for two months was rough. Okay, try, try that on for size. Try 400 years. But this was much worse than no haircuts and Groundhog's Days and, no, and having to homeschool your kids. All right. This was brutally hard labor that these Israelites are going through. Abuse by the Egyptian soldiers. There was hunger. There was starvation. For over 400 years, there literally looked like there was no hope and no freedom. But at last, the people finally listened to God and God sends a guy by the name of Moses. And through Moses, God leads the people of, Egypt, people of, of Israel out of Egypt into freedom. Because we're talking about over a million people that walked out of captivity and abuse and slavery into freedom. But, but Pharaoh was a proud and a very powerful man. And soon he realized what he had done. And as he let all those people go, he had just crippled his own economy. And so check this out. Exodus chapter 14, start in verse 5 with me. And let's read exactly what happened here. It says, when the king of Egypt was told the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost our servants, have lost their services. 
So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, of the Pharaoh king of Egypt, so, that they, they, so he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. So, so here's the thing. Pharaoh unleashes his full troops, all of his armies, all of his chariots. He unleashes all of them to go get this millions of slaves back to bring them to Egypt so their, com- their economy wouldn't be cr- crippled. And, and here's the thing. So as all these enemies are going out, you have to remember that on the other side of it is these Israelites that all of a sudden, all of a sudden they start to feel like the, the, the ground underneath them shake a little bit. And, and all of a sudden they hear this sound that they've kind of heard before. It might have sounded like a train in the, in the distance for some of us. And, and, and they just look up and they see this big cloud of smoke. And what they realize is that they could tell. They could tell that there's waves of soldiers that are coming at them. But when they realize that they are on the edge of the Red Sea. They're on the edge of the Red Sea. They, they, are, they are literally trapped. And all of Pharaoh's army is coming towards them. And their life is literally in the balance in this one moment. And so as we understand, this is where these people are at. We read in Exodus 14, look at verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Can you imagine that? That they're so terrified that they don't know what to do. They're crying out to God. They're like, God, help us. God, help us. They're freaking out, and I would be too. I'd be terrified. And then they said to Moses, it says in verse 11, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? He says, listen, what's the the deal here, Jack? Like, are, are you setting us up? Did you want us to die in the desert? Weren't there enough graves there that we could have just stayed there? They go on and say, what have you done by, by, done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Now, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Because they were trapped in captivity for over 400 years. So I highly doubt that when Moses said, hey, y'all want to get up out of here, that any of them said, nah, we're good. You know, that guy hits me, but he doesn't hit me that hard. And the food isn't that bad. There's a few rocks in it. No, everybody's like, yeah, I want the gravy train on that. I am out of here, Moses. I want to be a part of that. But now all of a sudden they're saying, why don't you just leave us there? And they finish off by saying, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Said it would have been better for you just to have left us alone, Moses. Just go on about your thing. Leave us alone. Because now they see the entire army coming out at them. This entire army of people that are just just, just wanting to kill them or or at at worst maybe bring them back to Egypt. And they're, they're looking at Moses and they're looking at God and say, what gives? Why would you do that? Which leads us to this epic scripture. One that I hope you will commit to memory and where I want us to land the plane here just for a second today. And I want you to look with me at Exodus 14, verses 13 through 14. And listen to the words of Moses to this freaked out, terrified, destined to die people in verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so, and so hearing this, 
the people have to be thinking, right, right, buddy, right? Don't you see them charging at us right now? They, they literally are charging at us right now. They're going to kill us, Moses. So I'm not going to stand still. I'm going to go Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, and I'm going to beep, 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 beep. I'm out of here, right? I'm out. But don't run off. Don't be like them. Don't run off. Because right here in the text, I want us to see how important being still is to God. How important it is as we look at the scriptures together. And as we do this, I want you to see that there are some promises of being still that God gives us. Four promises, in fact, that we see God make, makes, to, makes to us by choosing to be still. No matter what we're facing, God will tell us this. The first one is this that we read in the scripture is peace. We read in Exodus 14, 13, the first part, it says, do not be afraid. Now, isn't it true that when we are most restless in life is when we're doing the most? That when we're frantically trying to get it all in, you know, I can tell you that before this whole COVID thing hit, I was running with whatever was left of my hair on fire. And I will tell you, it's not pretty to see when all you have is eyebrows on fire. It's not good. Because I had so much going on at once. I was coaching my son's travel baseball team. My daughter was in travel volleyball. I was trying to lead this church, which isn't a small task. I had home, home projects, home improvement projects happening. I was trying to be a, a good dad to my kids. I was trying to be a, a better husband to Cherie. And, and the scariest part is that I had convinced myself that that was normal. That was what was scary. That this was okay. But the truth was I was not at peace at all. In, in fact, if I was able to put a word to it, I was kind of afraid. I was afraid that I wouldn't coach my son's team well enough and, and he would somehow hate me because of it. I, I was afraid that when Aniston broke her wrist, that she would be behind in volleyball. I, I was afraid that I wasn't doing enough as a pastor and wasn't leading our church as best I could. I was afraid that Sheree and I were just these ships passing in the night and I was scared to death about our marriage. I mean, but, but since I was in constant motion, it was like I was trying to run away from the fear I had, run away from the anxiety because motion creates distraction. Am I right? Motion creates distraction. But through this extreme pause that we all have had, I've heard God time and time again say to me, don't be afraid. I've got this. Just be still and be present in what season I have you in right now. It's almost like he is saying, hey, would you just sit down and enjoy a piece of peace with me? And that type of stillness is exactly what our souls need. So honestly, I am in no rush like that dog to get out of the back of that car and jump into my old way of life. I just am not. Frankly, I'm enjoying my piece of peace right now. And I hope you can too. This is such a golden time that we have right now that we may never have again. Don't rush past it when we have a chance to enjoy this reconnection with our family, with ourself, and with God. So find the peace that God wants to give you in the stillness of God. But the second one that we have is that God says he'll actually give us patience. 
patience. It says in Exodus 14, 13, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Can, can we just agree on this at least that we hate this one the most? Like, like this is the, isn't this just like the stock photo Christian meme? Lord, please give me the chance to be patient today. Right? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There is no one that likes to have to be patient, especially when it comes to God. We may say that we're all over. You know, I want to be still with God. But hey, could we just hurry this thing up and get still a little quicker here, please? Could we please? Right? Isn't that the way? I want to be still. Let's just make it happen quick. But that is not how God works. I've never known God to ask me my time frame for something. He has never once checked with me when it came to one of his decisions. Never once. It is always on his time frame and on his terms. But, but notice what God says here through Moses. He says, he says, stand firm, which means to stand strong. But he also says, stay put. Don't move. Be patient, he says. And then he uses the word will. He uses it twice in very important ways. He says, you will see and the Lord will bring. <clears throat> the word will is a verb. And it shows that there is something coming, but it is a future tense word. It, it didn't say that the Lord is bringing or you are seeing, but it says you will see and God will bring. It means he's going to do it, but it's on his time frame. Now, think about this. Being still requires patience to let God work on us and not us work on God. Let me say that again. Being still requires that we let God work on us and not us work on God. Because you might not know this, but God's doing just fine. He doesn't need our help, but we sure do need his help. So as we settle into being still, we need to be patient that what God wants to do in us will be on his timetable. And I love what the psalmist actually says in, in uh, Psalm chapter 37, verse 7. He actually says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. I love that. It says, be patient. Be patient. God is working. He is there. But it brings us to our third P, and that is perspective. <clears throat> perspective. Exodus 14, 14, the first part of that says, The Egyptians you will see today, you will never see again. In the middle of battles, all we can see sometimes is the junk that's in front of us. It's all we can see. COVID is crazy. Our jobs are uncertain. The kids are driving us nuts. The future is so unknown. But I love what God just told the people. He says, look at all these challenges you see right now. Take a good look at all these soldiers, all the fear, all the stuff that's coming at you. You know why I want you to look really closely at it? Because they won't be there forever. I want you to gain some perspective on this situation because it's temporary. It's temporary. Can we just be okay saying this about COVID or whatever else you might be facing right now? That it is temporary. Keep perspective. Perspective is what lets, our, lets us see our challenges for what they are. They're temporary. COVID is temporary. Sheltering in place is temporary. 
Homeschooling our kids is temporary. Well, for some of us, it is. Um, going to church in our cars or, or drivers or whatever, it's, it's temporary. Job struggles, they are temporary. If we can be still long enough to see our situations through the eyes of God, we will see that they are not as big as we think that they are. Okay, I, I remember when I was in the eighth grade and, and there's this girl by the name of Jody Peterson and I asked her to kind of be my girlfriend and kind of go out and she said no. She, she said no. It, it was devastating and it really stunk back then. I mean, but, but let me tell you something. I can tell you that I don't lose a wink of sleep over that now. Get, getting beat out for Homecoming King, which I still think was rigged, um, I, I still lose sleep over that. But, but not Jody. Not, not so much with Jody, right? Because now, guys, I have a smoking hot wife and two amazing kids. I'm doing just fine right now. And so in the right perspective, we can see that all of the stuff we're going through right now that seems so big and so insurmountable will one day be Jody Peterson. <laughs> they will be things of our past that we don't even think about anymore. Keep perspective because when you do, you can see things for what they are. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we can actually see them as a reward, potentially. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul says your light and momentary troubles are going to be just a snap, just a breath, just a whatever when this life is over because you are receiving glory in God as a result of your faithfulness. And having the right perspective that leads to number four, and that is protection. Protection. Exodus 14, 14, the last part of that says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Oh, I love that verse. I love that. When we aren't being still, we can forget that God is always working. Because in our doing, isn't it true that we never think God is working as hard as us? Don't we always think that? We swear that we're the only ones that are doing all the work and we look up at God and say, hey, little help down here. Can't you see COVID's going on? Can't you see this, the society's falling apart? Can't you see racism and sexism and all the other isms that are going on? Little help here. But we have to remember that God is always working, especially in our stillness. Because frankly, in our stillness, we aren't getting in his way. Right? Like, remember, he is moving in the mess, which is why we need a Messiah. He is fixing in the frustration. He is calming in the chaos. But in order to see it, we have to be still. I, I love the story in the Old Testament. It's a book of 2 Kings where, where God's people are actually surrounded by their enemies. It doesn't look good at all. And one morning, one of the servants got up early in the morning and they, they, they looked out and they saw all these enemies. They're hiding in the trees and they're surrounded on every side. And, and, and what you read about is that this, 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 this servant that goes to, to wake up the prophet, and his name was Elisha, and, and he wants to tell him everything that's happening. This is where we read in 2 Kings verse six, uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 17. So the, the, the servant comes to Elisha and it says that Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
They were everywhere. God was in control. He was moving. Sometimes we need to be reminded that God is at work. We need, to be, we need to be reminded that God is at work even if we can't see it. There are things beyond our awareness that are happening, but, but in order to see them, sometimes we need to be still and trust that God, that God is at work. So in this moment, God is telling these people that are facing the biggest obstacles of their life that is in the stillness of God that you will receive peace, patience, perspective, and protection. You will receive all of those. But I want us to bring us back to the key of these P's, and that's the promise that God weaves into all of them. And to do that, let me bring you back to the sea. See, as the people of God stand on the edge of this massive sea and the chariots are chasing them down and charging them down, God tells them to be still through Moses and, and he'll say, I'll take care of this. And so Moses turns to this massive sea, turns his back to the people, he turns his face to this obstacle in front of him and he has to kind of still himself, I would guess. All these emotions and feelings because listen, if this doesn't work, they are goners. They are goners. But then God tells Moses what he wants him to do. So Moses turns his stillness into movement of obedience. Look at what he says back in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That's what God did. Could, could you even imagine this? Like imagine this. These, all of a sudden this raging sea just goes still. And the walls of water that are by them are completely still. And the people stand in awe and they're looking at what it is completely still. And the sturdy hand of Moses is still as he parts these seas. But that wasn't what God promised, was it? It wasn't a miracle show-off of water. No, he said he would save them. And so we read in verse 26 where it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. God did it. God did it despite the fear and the unknown in the hearts of the people. God did what he said he would do. See, see, all of this, be, these be still promises are very true because God said, I will, and God did. God said, you be still and watch that I will, God says. So if this is true for them, it is certainly true for us now. See, I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know if you are anxious or frustrated or edgy because of the virus. I, I, I don't know if you're on the edge of your seat because you can't wait get, to get back to work. I, I don't know if you 
are looking at our world and realizing that it's not just the virus that's broken, it's our world. And you don't need to look any farther than Georgia to be able to see the, the loss of yet another <clears throat> young man for no reason to know that our world is broken. So I don't know where your angst is at today. But I can tell you that what God is asking you to do is to be still. Is to be still and know that he is God. To be patient. To have peace. To have perspective. And to know that the promises of God are true. My friends, oftentimes we think that this time has been a, a period of time where nothing's happening and all we have is stillness. But I just know, at least in my heart, that I could get all worked up really quickly without ever having to get out of my house. So what I want to give you an opportunity to do today is to be still. What would it be like right now in your homes, just right now, to close your eyes, wherever you might be at? Close your eyes. I want you to just take your hands. I want you to put them on your lap. And then I want you to put them palms up. And as you sit there, I just want you to be still. I just want you to have this posture be one where you are allowing God to put whatever in your hands he wants to put and take away anything that you had held on to so tightly. But just to be still in his presence, in his peace, his patience, and his protection and with the right perspective. Let God still the chaos in your life. Father God, we come before you right now and I beg to you that you would still chaos in the hearts and the minds of people all over the world. I pray that you would be with our single folks that are having a hard time realizing that it's, it's lonely and it can be hard when you're going through this alone. Remind them that they're not alone, that you're always with them. Be with those marriages that are really on the rocks right now, that you are at each other's throats. God, I pray that you would give stillness and peace in the home. Father, I pray for our seniors in high school and college that are losing so much, it seems, in their life, that they would have perspective and that it, not to brush past it is no big deal because it is, but that, God, they might use this in the right perspective for something great in their lives. I pray for kids right now that are in abusive homes, that you would protect them, and that you would guard their hearts and minds right now. I pray for our world that is so caught up in racism, they don't even know what is truth anymore. And I pray that you would heal, you would bring peace to our land. But God, would you help us to know that we receive those things not by doing, but by being still. Father, help us now. Let us hear from you. Still our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.